Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. I want us to look at a passage this morning that I think is quite familiar to some of you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to read... Uh, verses 1 through 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to read all 18 verses. I'm going to read today from the uh, ESV, the English Standard Version, not because it kind of matches what I wanted to say. I think it's a little more clear in a spot or two. And um, Paul opens up in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 with therefore having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of truth, of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure, we have this blessed gospel in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down, but we are not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh so death is at work in us but life in you since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been Written, I believe, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake. So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase, increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. 
Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction, and I'll describe his light, momentary affliction to you if we get to that part, is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And as we look, not at the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They come and they go. But the things that are unseen are eternal. I want to get right to the Scripture this morning, but I would just say for his introduction, if you went back to the previous chapter, and, and when he starts anything with therefore, the old saying is, go see what it's there for. And you go back to chapter 3, and Paul is doing a comparison of the old covenant with the new covenant that we have in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I'll read one verse. In chapter 3, verse 9, he says, For the ministry of condemnation, it has glory. Much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. What he means by that is the law that we were under, under Moses, all it was was a ministry of condemnation. We could not keep the covenant. We failed time and time again. And, and that whole business, it was just, it all led to condemnation. You might do good in one area, but... If you broke the law, one law in some area, like the, uh, James uh, says to us in his book, then you've broken the whole law. So it was really just a, a, a ministry to tell us all how bad we were, and we weren't going to get any better. And he says, but if that plan of God had glory, he said, man, the ministry of righteousness boy that abounds in glory and and notice how he says that he doesn't say well the old covenant was a ministry of condemnation and the new covenant is all about God being okay with it no it's not about God being okay with it it's not that Jesus came and was a kinder gentler version of the father it wasn't that at all no this this new ministry this new covenant is about righteousness and where do we get our righteousness well we get it from God it is a gift of grace that we get from God because he came and paid the price for our sin and we received righteousness that's what happens to you as a Christian do you, do you understand that do we understand that the difference between Christians and non-Christians is Christians have received the righteousness of God as a gift of grace. And we've been reconciled to God, brought back in alignment with God. We have had our relationship with Him restored. We have been redeemed by God because of His death on the cross. That's so important for us to realize. And then he gets into something I think is really personal. Boy, I, 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 love, I love this chapter. And I, I, the condition of the world around, around us today helps me to focus on some of these things that he says more and more. I want to share with you today ways we witness to the world. And I don't want to scare anybody to death. 
but there are 12 of them. If we don't get to all of them, I know George is shaking back there. If we don't get to all of them, that's okay. I, I won't uh, keep you all day, but because uh, I know some of you want me to sign CDs. But um, I, I, I hope you will study the rest of this chapter if we don't get there. But I, I just want to share with you ways we witness to the world. Paul says, look, got a world that doesn't know God. And this is how we reach him. And man, he just outlines them one after another. First of all, he says, we witness to the world through our profession. In verse 1, therefore having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Not just, just not lose heart part, that's important. But he says, we only have this ministry by the mercy of God. He said, I didn't earn this. I didn't outlive everybody else as far as trusting God. He said to Timothy, actually, he said in 1 Timothy 1.15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. I am the chief. And so many times I've wanted to argue with Paul, and perhaps you have as well. Maybe you wanted to go, Paul, you just thought you were the worst. I've I, got to be worse than you. i got to fail more than you did, Paul. I read so many awesome things about you, and some days I can't even think of one awesome thing about me. And I fail God, and I'm constantly in need of his mercy and his grace. But you're going to have to let Paul just tell the truth because he's, being, he's writing inspired of God. He said, I am the chief of sinners. And he's already told the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'll read these two verses. He says, for consider your calling. He says, for all of you brothers, consider your calling. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. It wasn't that you came from the right stock or you were the right color or you had the right social status. None of that made any difference whatsoever but we have been called by God and God shows what is foolish he says in the world to shame the wise God shows what is weak in the world to shame the strong and he has been doing that a long time he calls people like me uh, just a country boy from South Carolina uh, that I just can't overcome the accent I know and there's so many other things I say sometimes that gives it away as to where I'm from and and uh, uh, sometimes different foods that I consider gourmet uh, might give away a little bit of where I am from and uh, you have to know if you're from South Carolina we test possums we find in the road by picking them up by the tail, and if the bone doesn't slide out, it's fresh enough to eat. So just remember that. But I would say to you, God chooses people like me, and he chooses people like you, and, and, and maybe you are wise, but God can use anybody. I'm telling you, God loves to take people that you just wouldn't give a, a chance in the world to and uses them in a powerful way. We are called our profession that we are ambassadors of Christ. It is only by the mercy of God. We must never forget that. Secondly, he says we witness to the world through our preaching. 
He says, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or, or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. One commentary I read this week said that what Paul is basically saying is we preach the gospel and we do not mingle it with alien ideas. If it's not scriptural, that's not how we preach it. We preach it according to the inspiration of God. And you know, you might be surprised if you just ask most people who attend church fairly regularly, what is the gospel? You'd be amazed how many of them couldn't tell you. Really, what is the gospel? And I did some browsing around on the internet this week and just looked and I found several, several different gospels that are not the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they are very popular. One of them I, I grew up in is called the religious gospel, we'll call it. And that's where you work really hard so you can go to heaven. There's so many people in this world, man. They are, no, oh, they say, oh, I know it's all by grace, but you don't, that, that's the only time you say that. You, know, you follow it up with something stupid like, well, if old so-and-so didn't make it to heaven, I'm going to give up now. Well, if old so-and-so made it to heaven, he made it to heaven because he knew Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. And the best thing you can do right now is go ahead and give up because you cannot do it. You've got to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and let his righteousness be a gift of grace to you or you're never going to make it. I grew up where it was all about better be good boys and girls. And we had that Santa Claus version. You know, you better watch out, better not pout, better not cry. I'm telling you why. Jesus Christ has come into town. He knows when you're waking. He knows when you sleep. He knows who's been good or bad. So be good for goodness sake. That's really how people live for Jesus. Um, such a, a life of slavery and disappointment. Got to read the right version of the Bible. If you don't, it's not the Word of God. It's just so many things I grew up in that religious gospel. There's a therapeutic gospel. That's where... People describe the gospel as Jesus just meets my needs. He helps me not to be lonely, and, and, and he, helps, uh, uh, he, meet, he meets the needs that I have. I, I'm, I'm not really that bad a person. I just kind of need a little help to be a better person. And, and boy, going to church and stuff like that, just uh, it's a therapeutic gospel. It just makes me a better person. I can tell you that's not what the gospel is about. When you come to know Christ, you're going to be a different person. There's no doubt about that. But Jesus didn't die on the cross just to help me with my loneliness or my depression. And man, God has helped me with that. I suffer with that. He's helped me with all of those things. But I'm telling you, I had a greater, deeper need. I was lost and on my way to hell. And that's the gospel that I needed. Self-help gospel. These are people that would say, well, I'm not really a sinner. I just need a little help to get better. And, and, and books on self-help gospel, they'll give you all kinds of lists. Seven ways to be a better parent. Four ways to regain your self-esteem. Just tons of stuff like that. It's like, uh, it's, just, it's just a way for you to be a better person. And you just work on that. That's not the gospel. Moralistic gospel. 
got to be a good moral person, much like the first one, but this one really says that sin is what I do. It's just not who I am. It's just something that I do. And, and you'll meet people all the time. I see them all the time on social media and things like that. They do not consider themselves a sinner. They consider themselves a pretty good person that's got a few issues. And then they back that up with that confirmation that, well, we all have issues. Well, we all do have issues. But let me tell you some truth. You don't, uh, uh, you're, you're, you're not a sinner because of what you do. You do what you do because you are a sinner. If you don't know Jesus Christ, that has how you identify yourself. You are a sinner. We are sinners, and that's why we do the things we do. We have no hope of getting better, and we can make ourselves. And maybe you were there at one time. I bet uh, uh, even in this crowd today we have people that will say, yeah, for years and years I promised God I'd quit this and stop that and start this and did all kinds of things. And it wasn't until God transformed my life and set me free from that treadmill of failure. I finally was able to get right with him. Oh, there's the prosperity gospel. No need to talk about that much. You know what that is. I do wonder sometimes, though, if people realize that we serve a Savior that was homeless. Do you realize that? We, we do. <laughs> Boy, you'd think Jesus and his 12 disciples were all billionaires if that gospel is true. It is not about prosperity social justice gospel i know people probably wonder sometimes why i was so critical of critical race theory let me just tell you critical race theory it it uh it replaces the gospel for a lot of people it, it, it's it's like that that is our problem and when we get our race thing and all of that figured out then we'll be where God wants us to be, and it, was, it, it, it worked its way into a lot of churches, a lot of Baptist churches. Uh, I, I can just tell you the social justice gospel, Jesus didn't come and die so we could all be equal. He came and died so that we could be saved from our sinfulness. I'll save the best one, I think, today, July the 3rd for last I call it the American gospel. If you hold up a dollar bill, uh, I wouldn't, somebody, this is a Baptist church, we'll take it if you do that. It's got in God we trust on it. And I know that's probably a good thing within itself, but which, what, what, what God is it that we're trusting in? It, it doesn't specify. Now I can tell you for most people, if you want to know what, which God that is, you're holding it in your hand right then. It's ironic that we put that on money because in that God so many people most definitely trust. I love songs like God Bless America and stuff like that. It's all that's fine. But I think there is this understanding of the gospel that somehow or another God chose America to just, boy, he, he's going to bless us more than any other nation, and we were put here for a divine purpose, and we might have been, and all of that. I, I don't want to, I, I, God has blessed America, but let me tell you something. Any gospel that doesn't work in India and Peru and China 
and Russia is not worth a dime in America. It's just not. Good old American gospel. I believe it was Oral Hirschheiser, I think, if I'm saying that name right. I'm not uh, big on baseball, but I believe it was him. Did he pitch for the Dodgers? Huh? Yeah. I believe it was him that gave his testimony one time, and he said that it took him a long time in life to find out he was lost. And he said, the reason I didn't know was because I grew up thinking because I was born in America that that meant I was automatically a child of God. All the songs about America, the beautiful, and God shed his grace on thee, and all of that, they're beautiful, but I'm just telling you, there is no American gospel that's worth a dime. There's only a true gospel in the Word of God. We spent more time there than we will these others, but our profession, we, we witness through that, our preaching. Also, we witness to the world through our predicament. He says in verse 3, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Our predicament is we keep preaching and people aren't listening. We preach and preach and preach and, and, and some listen, most don't. I, I don't think we realize most people in the world are going to hell. Jesus said that. That's a tough place to be in, but if, if we keep preaching the gospel and understand that it is not our job to save people, it is our job to present to them the gospel. And I'll give you a great example that Jesus gave us. In Matthew chapter 13, he talks about the sower who went forth to sow, and he sowed seed, and it fell on four kinds of soil. But the seed was good every single time. And he said the seed was the Word of God. The soil never made a decision about the seed. The seed always determined what kind of soil that it had landed upon. So some people are going to hear, and some are not. Some are hard soil. They just are stubborn, and it's going to bounce off of them. Always has, always will. Others are full of thorns. they got so many cares of life. They might accept it, in, uh, to, at least in part. Uh, and, and they might want to trust God with their life. But boy, there's just so much to do. I mean, great day. we got, we got, we got places to go and people to see and, and money to make and careers and college and all of that. And, and maybe one day if I get time, I'm going to spend more time serving the Lord or whatever. He says that's the thorny soul and the cares of this life popped up out of the soul. And they weren't visible at first, but they rose up and choked out the seed. Then there was the rocky soil. But then there was the good soil. There was a good soil. I can tell you it's, it's tough preaching and people not listening. Just let's keep preaching. Let's keep preaching. And by the way, you might not, you, won't, you and I don't know who might listen and who might not. There might be somebody that you would have never bet on. I wonder how many people thought the day that Jesus visited the demoniac in Mark chapter 5, I wonder how many people thought, boy, he's going to get saved. I mean, he was, <laughs> he was the most outrageous character in the whole place. And when he, they left there, he was worshiping God. Nobody would have given him 
a chance. So don't get somebody to go test the soil to see where you need to be sowing your seed. You sow it everywhere. And then you let the seed do its work. Number four, we also, through our proclamation, we witness to the world. He says in verse 5, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. And with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. What we proclaim is not of ourselves. What we preach as Christians and what we teach. You may not be a pastor like I am, but we are all called to preach and share the gospel. And what we preach is not of ourselves. And you'll hear your share of this. It, it, it's, it's, it's painful sometimes when I hear people, look, or hear people say things like, well, that's what you believe. But I personally believe something else. It's like I even see people that will say or hear people say, well, you have your truth. I have my truth. And I know we've talked about it a thousand times, but truth is irreducibly objective. You, if, it's, if, if it's your truth, it's not truth. It's not like, well, you can see it your way. I can see it my way. I believe it was Oprah who said one time, I try to remember these great theologians and the things they say. But I believe it was Oprah who said one time that all religions are true. That's the dumbest thing ever came out of that woman's mouth. All religions are true? That's, that is impossible. Religions don't agree with each other. There's religions that teach and preach stuff that's absolutely against everything we know of in the Word of God. All religions can't be truth. It's not about just pick out something that fits and take it home with you. It's not like that at all. Because we proclaim that which is not of ourselves. It's, it's not about me and I know people say, well, whatever you believe, you need to be serious about it. What if what you believe is wrong? We say we need to be emphatic about what we believe, and we need to stand. You get a lot of points in America these days for standing up for what you believe. But what if what you believe is wrong? You can stand up for it. You can be yourself. You can stand out in the crowd. You can have all the courage in the world you want and display it wherever you like, but if what you stand on is not the Word of God, then you're just loud and wrong. Loud and wrong. Through our profession, preaching, predicament, proclamation, our power. Our power. Where does this come from? He says in verse 7, but we have this treasure in clay or jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God. And not to us. Clay pots, even in that day, were cheap. If you had something made of metal, you could repair it, but usually clay pots were irreparable. They broke easily. They were cheap within themselves. They had very little value. Paul says that's what we're like. We're clay pots, but he says inside this clay pot is the awesome treasure of the gospel. I think a lot of people look too long at the clay pot. Well, I went to church and, you know, I wasn't impressed or I saw hypocrites or I saw whatever. You're, you're looking at the clay pot. If you just watched me 24 hours a day, man, you'd see so many things that would disappoint you. 
man, it'd be times that you would need me. I might would overlook it. I, I, I might not even mean to. It's just I'm a human being. I am a clay pot. But inside of me, I bear the gospel. I present the gospel, and that's what's so important. It's what is inside of me, and that, that's what's got to count. And it, it's almost like I, I thought of it this way. If you told somebody, hey, I found a wallet, uh-huh, they're not going to ask you, was it leather? What's, what do they want to know about the wallet? What was in it? What's in it's more important. They're not going to ask you, did it have stitching on it? Was it canvas? Was it whatever? It don't make any difference. Was there anything in it? It can be really, really nice. I, you know, it's weird. They make wallets now. I think my son has one, actually. It costs more than the amount of money that's usually in it. That's pretty incredible, is it not? They've got some $200 wallets out there. And they spring together and all this kind of stuff. And if anybody tries to steal your credit card information, it'll instantly vaporize them and, and all that stuff. It's, it's the coolest thing ever. And if you lose it, it'll come looking for you. I don't know what all it does. It's, it's, it's not about the wallet. It's not about the pot. Jars of clay, easily broken, easily damaged. Takes a miracle to fix us too. God does that too. Number six, our profession. Verse seven again, but we have this treasure. What is this treasure? This treasure is the gospel of God. That is an awesome treasure. The light of the gospel. That's the treasure. Let's move on. We also witness to the world through our pain when we walk through pain and difficulty one of the greatest witnesses in the world is when you see somebody walking through something that just absolutely you you you, you in your mind you may be a fellow believer and you might be thinking well I, i'm i'm supposed to know how they got through it but i don't know how i would i'm sure you're like me you've seen that i've never lost a child some of you have I'm standing here knowing how you're supposed to get through it. I, I don't know how I would. A grandchild, my goodness. Boy, if you just have children, wait till you get grandchildren. Good Lord. It'll make a blubbering mess out of you. I don't know how I would walk through it. I spent two hours with someone this week that walk through things I could never, ever imagine, and I never even pretended to have answers for it. But he's a believer, and as he walks through that trusting in God and broken to the point, it's just incredible, but as he walks through that, I can tell you God is using that and will use it even more to speak into other people's lives. He, he uses some words here, four of them. He says in verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed. Verse 9, persecuted. Verse 9, struck down. Afflicted is a word that means crushed like grapes. You just stomped like grapes being just squashed in a vat to make wine. Perplexed is to be at a loss. 
This is a one I relate to sometimes. Just I, I just don't know. I just don't know. I, I I'm I'm perplexed. I, I I look at our world right now. I, I I don't know. It's the craziest place I've ever seen. I have never seen the United States of America where it is right now in my 62 years of life. And it's so amazing to me the priorities that we have and the things that we are all tore up about. And our, the future for our kids is circling the drain, friend. But I just don't know. I guess it's just not my job to know. But I'm perplexed, persecuted. Um, the oiko is a word that means constantly pursued. And persecuted carries with it the idea of pressure. So constantly being pressured, needle, pushed. Uh, just pried into a, it, the, the word is used sometimes to talk about being in a straight or a narrow place. And then struck down, uh, katabalo, kata is down and balo is throw. It's like you just been body slammed. It'd be just like somebody coming up to you from behind and grabbing you and just, just pile driving you into the parking lot. He uses that kind of language to talk about this is what we go through. And we go through this every day then that brings us to number eight we witness through our perseverance he said we are afflicted in every way but not crushed but not driven to despair and we're never forsaken and we're never destroyed thank you god and when we walk in that i'll tell you people can deny a whole lot of things but when they see you walk through purity, hell. But you walk through it as if someone is walking with you. They look in the fire and go, Lo, we threw three in, and yet there's four in there walking around. You, do you realize, read Daniel sometime, and you will see the effect that that had on one of the most wicked souls in the history of the world. Nebuchadnezzar died with an incredible respect for the God of the Israelite people because of what he saw them walk through. He made them walk through it himself. We also witness to the world through our peril. In verse 10, we're always carrying in the body of death or carrying in the body the death of Jesus Christ so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. What is he trying to say? Well, we die to self. We die to self. Don't, you, don't, you don't have to explain why you don't do certain things or partake in certain things or go certain places. Let me just tell you, Christian, it's a powerful witness, and people might make fun of you. And to you younger people, I know that, that it happens to you, but I would just say to you, when you die to self, that is a powerful witness. When there are things in your life that you won't do, you won't participate in, you will not be a part of, and you don't have to be all arrogant about it. You just have to say, look, that, that used to be me. It's not me anymore. I don't do those kinds of things. I gave that part of me to God. That attitude I had, that language I had, that, that lust that I had, all of that I have died to self. And I've been raised to walk with Jesus Christ. That is a powerful, powerful witness. Always, always dying to self. Number 10. We witness to the world through our promise. wonder what they're all going to start with. 
Verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. I don't know how many times I read that verse this week. It's just so much more there than I'd ever seen. But we have this blessed hope. This is a promise that we have from God. When this old body croaks, that's not the end of it. We will be raised just like God raised his son, Jesus Christ. And I love this part. We're raised also with Jesus, and he brings us with you into his presence. Man, I always said, and boy, I don't know how I talk sometimes with my foot in my mouth all the time, but I get it done somehow. I used to always say, if you ever see a big, thick book about heaven, don't buy it because we don't know that much about heaven. Well, George, you gave me one. Big, thick book. Took me a long time to read it. I've read way longer books, way shorter, but I think I read it twice as I went through it. I would go back and read it again. It showed scripture after scripture and talked about life in a world that's not cursed and so many awesome things in this world that may be part of the next world and the relationships that we have here. See, this is what I'm getting at. When God raises us up and we are in eternity living with him, I will also be living with you. How cool is that going to be? Really? Really? I don't know, don't, don't, don't quote me on it, but I really do think, and it might not be good news for her, but I think Loretta's going to be my wife for eternity. She might be going, oh, Lordy. I don't know. I just think there's a lot of things in this life, and, and boy, the, the book really did help me to see some things, but man, to be with you, to be with you. I remember when they told me I had cancer. Little Alex and I, and I have five grandchildren, and I love every last one of them. But Alex was my first grandchild, and he and I have a very special relationship. And I remember when they told me I had cancer, and there's a lot of uncertainty about all of that. I remember I looked at Chase one day, and I, man, I, cr I was crying so hard I couldn't, I could barely get the words out. But I told Chase, as I was looking at a picture of Alex, I have a picture of him on my cell phone, standing there in a little pair of bib overalls with no shirt on, in the wintertime, staring out the window. He was over here at our house, staring out the window, and what he was waiting on was for us to bring his sister home from the hospital and that's my picture on my phone of him but I looked at Chase I said Chase I said I'm ready to die if I have to die I can die I, God's got it I know that I'm a child of God 
I said, but I just don't understand how I can go anywhere and be happy without him. How am I going to go somewhere without my little buddy? How, how can I possibly have joy any place? I don't care what all it has. And I'm thinking of you, David. See, I love what he says here. He's not only going to raise us from the dead, but we're going to be with Jesus, and we're going to be with you. We're going to be with each other. My goodness, how incredible is that? Relationships that we have here on this earth that are precious to me. You think about all the things, and I really believe we're going to do this. Think about all the things you and I are going to sit around in heaven one day and laugh about that happened down here. You remember that Sunday, whatever, zig and zag sang, and zig didn't zag one time. I don't want to, I don't want to go without you. So make sure you understand the right gospel. Because that's the only way we can be together. That's our promise. We have our also, number 11, our patience. He says, for this light momentary affliction, verse 17, is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Let me read that again. For this light momentary affliction, we might... <laughs> Be quick to say, my affliction has not been light, and it's not been momentary. It didn't pass all that fast, and it was very, very difficult. I, I, I know Paul's got a perspective, though, about this that's just incredible. Let me read you what he says later in chapter 11 of the same letter to Corinth, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four. He said, now this is describing this momentary affliction, light. You got that light part. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, save one. That scourging that they gave Jesus, he said, I went through it five times already. In verse 25, he says, three times I was beaten with rods. He says, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, and a night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, and dangers in the wilderness, and dangers at sea, and dangers from false brothers. Bet you feel guilty now that you complain that Mark didn't go with him. But man, who would want to go with him? Light momentary affliction. Verse 27, and toil and in hardship. Through many a sleepless night, in hunger and in thirst, and often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. I know there are wolves out there. And he says, the biggest thing is I worry about all of you. And then last of all, number 12, we witness through our perspective. Verse 18, as we look not at the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They come and they go, but the things 
that are unseen are eternal. A.W. <coughs> Tozer said, the only real world is the invisible one. Now, he was not being a Platonist, if you know what Plato was about. He actually says, Tozer says, if we saw the visible world as God desires for us to see it, then we would never be attracted to it. This visible world that we see is passing away. So many things, and boy, has the last few years, especially for us in America, man, there's been some things visible that just I never thought I would see. It's, it's incredible, some of the stuff that has taken place. And, oh, my heart just breaks that people can be so rabid about wanting to kill babies. And, I mean, who knew that would make you want to go burn somebody's house down? Got to be able to do that. Don't take that right from me, whatever. It's just it's crazy. I know people are lost and they don't know the Lord, and I, I, I got all of that. But God has to help me sometimes to take my eyes off of the visible and know that there is a whole world around me that I don't see. God working. God's plan unfolding. Eternity. All of that. I have to keep focused on that. Man. These are ways we witness to the world, friend. Some people are going to listen. Some are not. Some are going to be veiled from it. They're not going to see it. They're blinded. And if you go back to chapter 3, Paul talks about it. He says what they're blinded from is, is the glory of Jesus Christ. They, and boy, you just think about it. There's so many people I know of right now that are lost, but they consider themselves Christians because they try to be like Jesus but that's not the gospel to try to be like Jesus you've got to be saved but these people I'm talking about don't believe that he actually rose from the dead and they don't believe that his death on the cross was to save us from our sins as a matter of fact they disdain the whole idea that God would be like some Canaanite barbaric deity that would sacrifice his son uh, for, for, to satisfy the wrath of, of a God somewhere. They just intellectually, I guess they're ahead of us. That's okay. <laughs> they just can't wrap their mind around it. Paul says they're veiled. They're blinded. They cannot see it. Just cannot see it. Let's keep witnessing to them. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that we can stand and preach what you say and not what we think. That, Lord, it's true today and it'll be true tomorrow and it'll be true forever, God. I pray, Lord, that you would just help us, God, to not give up. Lord, sometimes you know me. 
You know in my heart, God, I do grow weary. Sometimes I get disgusted, even angry, Lord. God, it's just, sometimes I know, Lord, I'm too focused on the ones that I tell and they don't want to hear it. And I forget about, Lord, sometimes the ones that I never even told. I pray you'd help us, God. Lord, let today's message soak in our hearts and minds. Help us to understand and know you walking, you're walking with us, God. And whether it's today or decades from now, one day you're going to call us home. And one day all of us who have put our faith and trust in you, Lord, will be together and never, ever have to say goodbye again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at servantsway.com or email us at office at servantsway.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. Please join us again next week.